this to load up. And come on, come on, almost, almost, almost. Yes, okay, all right. Hello everyone and welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show. We are looking at Numbers chapter 27 today. Let me begin by praying. Heavenly Father, help me to focus on your word. Help me to learn from what it's, it's saying to me and to us today and help us to respond in faith and repentance and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is take two. I tried it a few moments ago and went off the rails and started talking about something random. Um, sorry about that. So I'm going to try again. This is Numbers chapter 27. Here it goes. The daughters of Zelophehad, son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, belonged to the clans of Manasseh, son of Joseph. The names of the daughters were... Mahla, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Tirzah. They approached the entrance to the tent of meeting and stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, and, and the leader, and the whole assembly, and said, Our father died in the desert. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan because he had no son. Give his property among our father's relatives. So Moses brought their case before the Lord, and the Lord said to him, What Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and give their father's inheritance over to them. Say to the Israelites, If a man dies and leaves no son, give his inheritance over to his daughter if he has no daughter give his inheritance to his brothers if he has no brothers give his inheritance to his father's brothers if his father had no brothers give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan that he may possess it this is to be a legal requirement for the israelites as the lord commanded moses okay so zelophehad cool name had only daughters uh, who also had cool names, Mahla, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Terza, but no sons. And that was a problem because um, traditionally, you know, the land, the property, the inheritance was passed down to the sons and especially to the firstborn son. But no sons in question, he just had four daughters, one, two, three, four, five daughters. And so the daughters came to Moses saying, hey, you know, our dads just died. You know, we want uh, to inherit the inheritance of the land. Now, they are not in the land yet. But what happened yesterday as we looked at chapter 6 was that Moses was giving out instructions about how to divide up the land when they get to it. He said it would be according to the names of the fathers and therefore according to the number of the people in each tribe so a bigger tribe means bigger land but also by lot so they, you know god's provision but also a kind of fairness but he didn't mention anything about the daughters because the only people counted were all men 20 to 50 years old of fighting age of all the tribes of israel but no daughters so the daughters are going you know are we going to lose out so moses um interestingly didn't have an immediate answer moses went Yahweh, <laughs> so what about the daughters? So he actually goes back to God with this kind of like test case. He says, you know, what if there's no son? You know, what do we do with the land? 
and God gives actually a very comprehensive answer. So he gives a specific answer for the daughters. He says, you know, they are right. Does he actually say that? Um, da, da, da. Exactly, verse 7, what Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right. Why is right? And what they say is, verse 4, why should our father's name disappear from his clan because he had no son? And what God is saying in terms of their rightness is not their greediness. Notice that. It's not that, hey, I, I deserve this land. You know, I am equal to a son. But what their concern was, why should our father's name fade away? You know, we want to preserve the legacy of our father. So the land was a picture of that. The land was a sign of that. But their concern was for the legacy of God's blessing that had passed through the generations that had now been received by the daughters. That why should it just disappear away? We want to perpetuate the name of our father. And God says that's a right thing, a right concern to have. And then God expands the answer to say that if there is no daughter, then give it to, no, no son, sorry, then give it to the daughters. But then he says, if no daughter either, then give it to one of the uncles, to so the, the father's brothers. And then he, he just expands and expands, expands. If no brothers, then the other uncles or to any close relatives. And the point is um, that they may possess it. You see, you see the word there in verse 11, that they may possess it. This is to be a legal requirement for the Israelites as the Lord commanded Moses. And the idea is that so that the land stays within Israel. The land stays within the family and the land stays within the people of God because this is a gift that God is giving to them and he wants it to be perpetually owned by them. Okay, interesting uh, legal case, you know, very fair. You know, God seems to be compassionate. Um, God seems to be very fair in treating the daughters, you know, like the sons. Uh, but actually, there's something very peculiar about the daughters in this case because they are so sure that they're going to go into the land. Uh, again, they, they don't have the land yet. They haven't yet made it into the land, and there's going to be a lot of things happening before that, not least... You know, Joshua uh, taking on the mantle of leadership, leading them across the Jordan River, and then they have to fight you know, against all these um, occupying uh, uh, people in the land. And, but, you know, but they are so sure that they will receive it that they say, you know, we, we are so sure of this, we want, we want our claim. Uh, they sound a lot like Caleb. If you remember, Caleb says, you know, this is our land, you know, uh, it belongs to us. They sound a lot like someone who is so sure that God is going to give them what he's already promised them. And so what we see here is actually an expression of faith, an expression of trust, a, a kind of certainty that, of course, God has promised us this. We don't want to lose out. We don't want it to let, let it slip by. We are so sure that God has promised this just based on his word that, you know, we want to claim it right now. And it shows, again, their faith uh, in God's word, in God's promises, that this will become real. Yeah. So, yeah, daughters of Zelophehad. Let's pick up from verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, go up the, this mountain in the Abarim range and see the land I've given to the Israelites. After you've seen it, you too will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. For when the community rebelled at the waters in the desert of Zin, both of you disobeyed my command to honor me as holy 
before their eyes. Uh, these were the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the desert of Zin. Okay, so we didn't actually read this this chapter. Um, I'm trying to find it if I can remember. Oh, this is chapter 20, I think. Um, so in chapter 20, the people quarreled. Um, they said, uh, why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert that we and our livestock should die here? There is no water to drink. So they're complaining against Moses, complaining against God that there is no water. If you remember in Exodus, this happened before, but it's happening again. So Moses goes back to God and God says to Moses, verse 8 in chapter 20, Take the staff, you and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together, speak to the Lord before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. So speak to the rock, and God will cause water to come out of the rock, and so your thirst will be quenched. Um, but uh, what Moses does instead is he raised his arm and he struck the rock twice with his staff. And in response to that, God says, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give you. And so there God was, you know, kind of judged him. And God says, you know, this was an act of disobedience, of mistrust against me. And here God uh, re reiterates that. He, re he, he says to Moses, now in chapter 27, um, where, wherever you, um, you will be gathered to your people, you will die, essentially, he says to Moses, because everyone else rebelled against me, but you rebel against me as well. So essentially, Moses is falling, falling into the same judgment as all the Israelites who did not trust God when he said he was going to give them the land. So all of them died, about 603,000 of them died in the desert, and now Moses would join them, as well as Aaron. You know, Aaron died a few chapters before as well. So what's Moses' response? Well, Moses' response, um, well, acceptance, I guess, in a, in a way, you know, he, he did not argue with God, but it was also a, was concerned. He was concerned that the people have a leader to lead them into the promised land. Verse 15, Moses said to the Lord, may the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them one who will lead them out and bring them in so that the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So interesting, isn't it? You know, Moses is so concerned for the people to have another leader. You know, he, he's, he's, not, he's not going, oh, you know, poor me, you know, it's not fair. <laughs> he's not angry with God, but he's concerned that the people should be a shepherd without a, a sheep, without shepherd, you know, should be leaderless. Um, he, he knows that God's going to give them the land. God's going to be, God's essentially their king. God's their leader. But he sees as well, you know, his position as not something that's just tied to him. You know, he's not so full of himself that he thinks, oh, without me, oh, they're, they're going to be gone. But, but he sees that they do need a leader and that someone else can do the job. And he prays for God to supply that someone. Verse 18, so the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. 
give him some of your authority, so that the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest, who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out, and at his command, they will come in. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and made him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. So Moses takes Joshua, lays his hands on him, and he's in front of everyone else, in front of the whole assembly, and he says, this is your new leader. This is the guy who is going to lead you in the next phase in going into the land. And again, Moses initiates this um, in the face of, you know, his own impending death, in the face of his own punishment as well. You know, uh, Moses accepts that he rebelled against God. But again, such is his growth as a leader and his concern for the people that God raised up another leader. Um, and he and this act of laying on of hands, this question came up uh, a couple of Sundays ago. You know, is that a biblical thing? Well, it kind of is. But it's also, it's not, and some people say, you know, you're passing on, you know, Holy Spirit, you're passing on, you know, gift. And, and that's possibly true. But it's a form of endorsement as well. Notice, it's not just that he laid his hands on him, but he laid his hands on him in front of the whole assembly. Uh, verse 22 in front of the whole church you know that's where you get uh, the roots of the word church is the gathering of God's people and so they could see that Moses was passing on the responsibility to this younger leader uh, but God does say you know uh, in that Mo Joshua son of Nun he already has the spirit a man in whom is the spirit verse 18 and then lay your hand on him. So it's not so much that Moses is passing on something, but Moses is confirming that this person is already chosen by God, is already filled with God's spirit. And he stands, verse 19, in front of Eleazar the priest. So it's the second half of leadership. You know, Moses is the, is the one who represents God to the people. He speaks God's word to them. And Eleazar as the high priest is the one who represents God's people to God. So it's the second half of that mirror half of God to the people, but now God's people to him. You know, Eleazar is the high priest in offering the sacrifices and being the representative of the people. And together they commission Joshua in front of everyone else. And Moses is to give him his authority so that all the Israelite people will obey him he is to stand before Eliezer, and he will obtain decisions for him by inquiring the Umim before the Lord. Now, this is very interesting because here we see a shift from Moses' form of leadership to Joshua because Joshua is to almost depend on Eliezer. He says he is to stand before Eliezer, and Eliezer, the high priest, will obtain decisions for him. So whenever like Joshua needs to find out, what shall I do? How shall I lead the people in this particular decision? He'll actually not go directly to God, but rather he'll go to the high priest. And Eleazar, the high priest, will inquire God on his behalf by this Urim and Thummim. And then at this command, he and the entire community will go out and his command will come in. And so he finds out from Aaron. Aaron does the lot thing with the Urim and Thummim. And then based on that, 
Joshua will give the command and the whole people will listen to Joshua's command. And the difference here is that, you know, in the past, you know, Moses wouldn't do this. W Moses wouldn't have to need, do any lot throwing. I'm not sure how they did it, you know, Urim and Thummim, whatever they did with that in determining God's will, because Moses would just talk to God. Moses would just talk to him and God would talk back to him. And Moses would say, okay, this is what God says. Joshua wouldn't do that. And because of that, uh, Moses is kind of unique in his position with God that he was able to talk to God face to face. Indeed, God uses that expression of intimacy with Moses. This person can talk to me face to face and he still lived and he's still able to have this relationship and he was then able to mediate God's word to the people. Which makes it then all the more striking that Moses dies. You know, Moses will not be allowed to go into the land. And that's where I want to end, actually, with just that thought. You know, here, even Moses, even the guy who's the absolute closest, most unique prophet, leader um, of God's people in the Bible, still rebelled against God, still experienced God's judgment, and still was withheld this privilege of leading the people into the promised land. Why? Why? Um, I don't know why. Uh, we get a clue of it, uh, and I, know, I, I only know this because uh, a friend preached this passage in the Chinese church uh, a few weeks ago, and we looked at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which, which references the whole Exodus experience as a whole, and it talks about that rock that uh, Moses struck that then came out water, but because he struck the rock and didn't just speak to it, he was then judged. And it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, and I'll read from verse 2. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. So again, the water is a meribah, the water is a quarreling. Uh, this spiritual drink, they all drank that water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and it says there, that rock was Christ. Now again, it's, it's, it's bringing us back to, what is it, Numbers 20? I think Numbers 20, when that in whole incident of uh, Moses striking the rock instead of speaking to the rock, and because he struck the rock and did not speak to the rock, he was judged. And it's saying that rock that Moses struck twice was actually Christ. And I... And this is kind of far-fetched, but it's almost saying that, first of all, Christ is the one who supplied them with that water. Christ was the one, was the means by which God quenched their thirst. And it brings to, to mind all those passages whereby Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, I'm the one who's able to give living water. The one who drinks with me will never thirst again. You know, the water's welling up to eternal life. You know, Jesus is the one that gives us that that water that quenches our eternal thirst for God. And it's through his sacrifice, it's through his redemption, it's through his personhood that he's able to fill us with this longing, with this thirst for God. But also the striking of the rock shows that, I think prefigures the way in which he's able to quench our thirst, that he is struck and therefore he is able to then provide that, quenched thirst, that water that comes from him. It's through his death, again. I think it's a form of, 
you know, the 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 the, the wrath that the striking and the wrath and the punishment that comes on Jesus, and there therefore results in the salvation of his people. And it's almost saying to Moses, you know, um, your striking of that rock, it's almost going to point forward to the way in which God will provide that final nourishment and refreshment that comes from Christ, that the rock is struck, Jesus is struck, Jesus takes that wrath, even from you, Moses, for your rebellion. And therefore, he will enable you to come into that final promised land, into that true presence of God, that true blessing of God, that true inheritance of God, because, because it comes through his struckness, his, his, his sacrifice, his stripes, that we are made clean, we are forgiven of our sins. And it's through his um, sacrifice that we find life. It's it's a it it's not. I, I know it's tense. It's kind of. I, I don't know if it's too far fetched. Uh, I read it. I read it some time ago. I think I read it from Don Carson. So it's not original. I don't think of this. But 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 I think that there's something there. I think um, it it just shows that even Moses was not that kind of ultimate leader we're looking for. Not not to make too much an idol of him, even when it comes to leadership. But it shows that Moses, you know, he even suffered for his leadership. He was able to pass it on to Joshua. And Jesus, as that ultimate leader, he was struck and he even suffered that we might be blessed and we might be quenched of our thirst. Yeah. Okay, how's that? Numbers chapter 27. Let's end with a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus as that ultimate leader that brings us into the promised land, into your presence. Not just because he's filled with your spirit and he was ultimately faithful all the way to the end, but that he suffered, that he died, and he took our place of punishment, that we might live, we might be blessed, and we might be filled with his waters of eternal life. Uh, thank you again for him. Help us to always look to him. Um, thank you also for the daughters of Zelophehad, who was so certain that he would have this inheritance of the new promised land, that they went to Moses. They said, you know, we, we want this. We don't want to lose this. And Lord, help us to see the reality of the promised land, the promised life that you give us in Christ, in heaven, and all the life that is ahead, that we will not uh, cheapen it and lose hold of it, but we will make every effort into entering it simply because of your promises that are true in Christ. So thank you for these reminders. Thank you for Christ again. And thank you for that certainty that you put in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.